Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And we are recording this at about 3.30 p.m. Wednesday, the day after Election Day. I say that with the caveat, the with the disclaimer, essentially, because everything can change every hour. In fact, uh, somewhat every minute, uh, you know, one guy could be up, one guy could be down. Biden, Trump, we don't know. As this uh, swing... Uh, swing set, swing song, seesaw, if you will, of, uh, of political news goes on. And I want to welcome to back to our show after a multi-month year hiatus, uh, my good friend, former state senator Craig Johnson, used to represent the North Shore of Long Island, a, a, a uh, quintessential swing district, uh, if you will. One has that is ping-pong back and forth between Republicans and Democrats over the years, as well as he is a lobbyist, strategist, consultant at Long Point Advisors. Craig, welcome back. Michael, thank you for having me back. Look, I love being on spin class since I got, I'm sitting next to my Peloton, and you throw out the ping-pong, and I got a folded ping-pong table behind me. This is, uh, this is great, man. You were, I was all set for you today. Well, that is the great thing about the virtual meetings that we have these days is that you can just uh, sit back and do whatever you want while you're on as long as you don't pull uh, – well, whatever. We won't go there. Exactly. So, <laughs> Using the word pull, no less. Exa- exactly. Well, this is a family-friendly show, but uh, politics is not always so family-friendly. Uh, the big question I'll throw out to you, and there's so much we've got to talk about, sure. about the race, about what's going on, the – Democrats, there's no question the Democrats were expecting a huge night. Not necessarily a big night, a huge night. They were expecting Biden, an easy win. Florida was going to come in. Uh, Texas, Georgia, there was state after state that was going to go blue, that was going to repudiate President Trump. They were going to take the Senate. Uh, they were... Chuck Schumer was already, he didn't just measure the drapes, he was ordering the drapes already. And uh, ordering the furniture... Uh, Mitch McConnell was going to, maybe he was even going to lose. Lindsey Graham was going to lose. What the heck happened? I think we, look, I think we can identify a lot of things um, and, and we can parse it out in a number of different ways. I think the one thing to start with, is like the winners and losers. I think the big loser for the 2020 election are pollsters, right? And it's no disrespect. Once again, to, once again. And no disrespect to folks that we're friends with, we're both friends with. I mean, you know, it's hard to imagine where for the past week to 10 days, the poll numbers for one side were, were such a way that everyone was expecting to go to bed at 930 uh, in, in New York or 10 o'clock, you know, feeling comfortable. And once again, um, we were all up late and, and we're still up, right? You know, we're still we're, we're still taking a look at the results. Right. We're essentially still up from the night before, you know. But, but I think a lot of people said, look, there are three scenarios out there. There was the Trump narrow victory there was the you know the big democratic win and there was this other one that people said this for real which is a narrow path and i think we're seeing that result and look honestly at 339 right now michael i'd rather be vice president biden than president trump i think the numbers are starting to roll in wisconsin's you know has been declared the michigan numbers are looking good for the vice president if you look at the numbers in georgia the president's up by 90,000. There's 250,000 outstanding. It's from Atlanta and the Atlanta region. Look, and then Philadelphia is Philadelphia. I mean, Pennsylvania, right? And, and a lot of the numbers are coming out of Philly and the Philly suburbs. I like being Biden than Trump right now for a whole host of reasons. And 
I'm not the one running to court to stop things. That's Trump. And look, it's his right. It's absolutely his right. But you know, you're running to court. You're 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 losing, not winning. But okay. you know, we get to see that for the next few weeks. Give you all of that, all accurate, all true. Right now, as we sit, rather be Biden than Trump, as far as this is concerned. But, but, I but. think it's very clear the Senate is going to remain in Republican hands. The United what? States Senate, and that was almost a given. I mean, if you would hear not just Democratic strategists, you would have heard, you would have turned down even Fox News. I mean, they were talking about 5149 was kind of the best case scenario. You know, uh, yes, Republicans can win um, one seat. Doug Jones, but they're going to lose. Susan Collins is going to lose uh, for sure. You know, uh, Cory Gardner did lose. In fact, um, you know, they, they were going to, you know, they were going to take out Joni Ernst. They was going to take. They were going to take out Steve Daines. They were. It was going to be a great night. And uh, what's what's going on? I mean, what did they get wrong? What did the Democrats get wrong? Forget about Trump. Trump is a phenomenon all his own, as far as I'm concerned. What did they get wrong when it comes to the? And they raised millions and millions of dollars, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars, to go ahead and take on these races. What did they I get think, wrong? I think what they got wrong, Michael, is that what they were smart about is look. You cannot take away the fact that Mitch McConnell is an outstanding leader of the United States Senate. You know, whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, he is a very, very, very good leader. He was a very good leader for his conference, right? He has the ability to say to Susan Collins, go vote against the Supreme Court justice. I got it. You know, I've got the votes where I need to get them. I'm okay with that. I think one, the Trump campaign did a very good job in finding new voters and new voters for Trump and the Senate candidates, all of them, stuck by the president. Even Susan Collins, who was getting beaten up by the president on Twitter, where she dis- where she may have voted against him on things, still stuck by with him enough that she didn't lose voters in, in Maine going off to go independent third party. They, they stuck with Collins as they stuck with Trump. So I think that that was a key point. I think another important thing to recognize is you know, I, I'm not sure that in some of these races we have, you know, the Democrats are the best candidate for the seat. Look, you know, Gideon in Maine is a, you know, the Speaker of the State Assembly. She represents a small part of Maine. Um, you know, Jamie Harrison's a former lobbyist in Washington, D.C., going into South Carolina. I, you know, uh, the candidate in Iowa similarly was a local legislator. These are not people with, you can have a lot of money, but do they have the gravitas to take a seat? They're not a former governor. You know, they're not a big business person with a big personality. So I think that in some of these races, you can't, you know, both sides have a lot of money and it's hard to beat an incumbent senator. It just is. And, you know, in Arizona, you know, Kelly is a personality with a fantastic spouse and Gabby Giffords. You know, in Colorado, we ran the governor. You know, Hinkle Looper has a, has a constituency. So I think at the end of the day, you know, we can piece out and parse out what happened. I think the other thing we're not talking about, and I'm sure we'll get to it, is the House. I, I mean, th- you know, it was, we were talking 10, 50, you know, the, the House Republicans were worried about losing five to 10 seats. I think Nancy Pelosi is looking at maybe negative 10. At least in New York State, you've got at least one, you know, now, two if you, I mean, 
Rose and if you're saying Brindisi, but you want to count it, I mean, that's so real. That's a 35,000 vote lead right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't that's, know a, it's a, that's a big lead in a, in a district that is very it's Republican. Big. It's, by big. Registration. it's big. AP hasn't called it yet, but a, I mean, but Malliantakis Rose, that's really big. And it's pretty stunning. So I think there's going to be a lot of it's going to be interesting over the next two months. If we take the assumption that at the end of the day on January 20th, Joe Biden is going to be sworn in as president of the United States, you know, when all said and done, you know, after all the challenges he's sworn in and Mitch McConnell is the leader and Nancy Pelosi or somebody else is the house speaker, you know, are there members of the Senate who go into the administration? You know, we were talking just 24 hours ago about the fact that Joe Biden was not going to pick any U.S. senators to join his cabinet because, for example, in Massachusetts or Vermont, if you picked Bernie Sanders, you had a Republican governor who was going to appoint a Republican. And with uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, yeah. Exactly. Charlie Baker was going to appoint – now all bets are off. Now he can point Chris Coons. What do I care? You know, I can put Warren in the Treasury. Don't think he should. Don't think he will. But he can do that now because he doesn't have a Senate. It doesn't well, matter. Well, that's a good segue to my question is that President Trump is not exactly universally popular. Certainly popular amongst Republicans. No question about that. And certainly motivates a certain amount of voter who doesn't normally participate. Because the numbers, I mean, we saw a huge turnout. Uh, we saw, I mean, a lot more people voted in 2020 than did in 2016, and that was supposed to benefit Joe Biden because, of course, we always say Trump has this ceiling. He might have this floor, but he has this ceiling, and that didn't happen. But what is it? I mean, it, what is it about what Joe Biden was selling or Chuck Schumer was selling or Nancy Pelosi was selling that a lot of voters were not buying around the country. And I know we live in this little Northeast bubble, but it even happened here in New York. And we'll get to that in a second. What is it that they weren't buying? I mean, what are they were not buying? I mean, yes, a lot of look at Florida. Okay. South Florida, Miami, Dade, you want to talk about just Cubans, but that's also two congressional seats that the Democrats lost there. Yeah, that, that were also that are South Florida congressional seats with a lot with a large Cuban population. Look, you know, at the same time, there's now indications, and I'm not saying it's going to change anything, but there's indications that they're, that the post office held back, you know, a bunch of mail ballots in South Florida. Whatever. We, look, we're, we're all going to hear conspiracy theories on both sides. The, the bottom line is that what – I've got a couple more for you if you want to, if you want to go down that road. Right, we, got a, you got, we got a bridge, you know, going over, you know, the Rockaways. And I, all that. I got a tweet with a picture of a suitcase. <laughs> I, I'm, wor- I'm off a laptop. I think this is mine, but I'm not sure there's initials, some, you know, somewhere. Look, I think – you know, where they look, campaigns, campaign strategists are smart people. The men and women who run campaigns at the presidential level are very smart. You know, they, look, they identified in Florida four years ago going forward, we have, to, we have to do a better job with certain populations. And if it comes to like Hispanics and people all of a sudden assume, well, he's, you know, Donald Trump is so insults Hispanics and therefore we're the monolith they're going to vote Democratic. At the end of the day, you know, the Cubans and Venezuelans care about one thing and or they care about a lot of things, but like socialism and, and socialistic behavior is a big thing they care about. Legal immigration is a big thing they care about. So I think that what what got lost by campaigns were assumptions that he's the boogeyman. He says all these outrageous things, therefore they won't vote for him. The flip yeah. side is, the flip side is, 
there's enough anecdotes. What I've heard is there are, you know, college educated white voters, college educated, you know, suburban voters are tired. They are t- at the present. They're tired of the tweets. The ones who pay attention all the time who in 2016 said, you know what? I don't care what he said in a, in a, uh, it's family friendly. I don't care what he said on a television show and he's a bore and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know what? He doesn't pay taxes. You know, give me a, it's like we work hard. So yep, I'll do Biden, but I'm going to now, but I'm going to go down the line and I'm going to go back. And I think you're going to see a lot of instances, particularly independent voters, whether, you know, blank voters that we call them, as you call them, um, went Biden and then went back to Roe B and, and voted down the line. I think we're going to see a lot of that, you know, in a lot of places. What it, what are the issues that you see as having, I mean, we, yeah, socialism in South Florida that I think that the socialist label uh, hurt the Democrats significantly well beyond. And there are, obviously we mentioned some of the aforementioned, uh, as you mentioned, Bernie Sanders, okay. Elizabeth Warren, not so, not so much, but certainly uh, uh, the squad yeah. And their fellow travelers probably pay, plays more of an outsized influence in people's consciousness as, as opposed to their actual impact uh, when it comes to, gov- to governing. But uh, they certainly are serving as really good uh, uh, foils for Republican yep. Party. How, as a Democrat, you know, a former, as a former legislator, and somebody has a work within a conference that has a, a diverse viewpoint. You know, how do the Democrats kind of get past this idea that their left wing is too far left to be trusted to run the country? I think there's a, a reckoning coming in the Democratic Party. I think that... See, I wouldn't have... that. That's like unexpected, right? We're not thinking like we, uh, the day after the election, 2020, all of a sudden the Democrats... Are, it was supposed to be the Republicans are supposed to have this reckoning. No, I think, I think, I, I think yours is coming too. Because, okay. because the interesting thing is going to be is for 2024. Again, if when if in Joe Bi- or when Joe Biden is sworn in, does Donald Trump immediately announce he's running in 2024? Or or are there folks out there who are going to start peeling away that mantelpiece? And look, Trump, there's a cult of Trump. There is. I mean, you know, you know, I don't see flags of Tom Cotton or Nan- or Nikki Haley being waved about, you know, in boat parades or on uh, you know, on the Cuomo Bridge. But that said, you know, I think the Democratic Party is is coming to a reckoning. There are, you know, a lot of folks out there who are moderate, hardworking, um, two-income households who are very nervous about a lot of things that are being said. You know, the whole notion that I'm a social liberal but a fiscal conservative. Um, I think that when you say social, I think it's like, you know, on, whether it's LGBT rights or choice, you know, you have a particular view, but when it comes to the you know, economics, there's some real concern about when you see the 20 something out there, while on the one hand marching for some very important social justice issues at the same time, like, are you going to get a job? Because at the end of the day, I'm working hard. And I got to tell you that the lessening of regulations, whether it's in the state or in the fe- or in the or the federal side of things, is important to me as a small business owner. You know, I'm I'm speaking generally, right? Yeah. So I think that you know it will be very interesting. Look, 
it'll be very interesting what Biden picks on his uh, what what Biden picks for his cabinet. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, putting aside Corona, what are his main uh, things he wants to accomplish over 100 days with a U.S. Senate that is Mitch McConnell going to, you know, hold things up? Is he going to go for a stimulus? What's going to happen here? And, you know, that's all to be decided. But I think it wouldn't surprise me is if over the next year to 18 months, there's a lot of reckoning when it comes in the house. Does the members of the squad start holding things up? Do you know, do they the, become the freedom caucus of the exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a model that worked. It's it, it, you know, it, Mark Meadows is the uh, white house chief of staff today. And he ran that thing, you know, Jim Jordan played a big role. So we'll see. Right. But okay. So I know we're going with your theory that Joe Biden wins and okay. I mean, I'm not, convinced that that is the actual outcome at this point that's um, fair. but no no i'm willing to no, that's, I'm fair. Willing, that's fair of course i'm willing to go i'm willing to go along with it just for the sake of the, having the discussion so i just but um it is remarkable having you know gone through 2016 and just politically you know just from political history because i know we both care uh, you know yep. it's something that we think about is that you had a president uh, who had an incredible victory in 2016, defied all the expectations. Four years, he runs relentlessly for four years, seemingly does politically almost everything wrong in yep. a lot of ways. He gets impeached. He is runs against pretty much a guy who is totally not offensive and yep. is kind of easy to like generally and fits a great demographic for the country, working class, Catholic, from Pennsylvania originally. I mean, he's got all the different, this is not Hillary Clinton that you're running against. Checks the box. And he's eking it out just a little bit barely, not the electoral landslide. Okay, COVID, this, the the whole, you know, paper ballots. But in the end, it's not going to be what people thought. Doesn't that, it just strikes me, yes, we're in an incredibly polarized country. Everybody is there. But how... The fact that we got it wrong again, that the polls got it wrong again, I'll not say we got it wrong again. I actually, you know, I feel, I, I felt the number of races kind of came in the way I thought they were going to come in. Right. Um, but the conventional wisdom, when is the conventional wisdom that we all know and have been a part of, meaning, you know, we talked to all those conventional wisdom people, uh, when does that start to change about politics? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that answer. I, I think that, and that's a great question and a great point. I, I, if we study political history and we look at races, you know, it's interesting. Some of the conventional wisdom has been that if you look back into the 1980 race, there are a number of people who say that Jimmy Carter really lost the presidential race the last weekend before election day. And if you look at conventional wisdom and people talk about, you know, the strength of the Bill Clinton election over George H.W. Uh, Bush, you, you, you neglect it people often forget that H. Ross Perot was in the race. And if you take Perot's votes, and those are primarily Bush voters, and combine it, but you know, George H.W. Bush wins a second term. It is very hard to defeat an incumbent president. The power of incumbency, you know, especially the president except, level. Except when you have an economy that, you know, with lots of people out of work, your highest, highest unemployment yeah. rate. In the, I'm just, there's a whole bunch of intangibles here. By virtue, what I'm saying is, does it, it doesn't really make that much sense from it's, from our, our collective wisdom 
that Donald Trump should be even competitive in this race. Yes and no. But yet he is. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to hear because help me understand. I think the yes and no is that he appeals in a what? There are a lot of Americans out there who aren't necessarily, they are Trump voters. They're not Republican voters. They're Trump voters. You know, he appeals to them, whether it is the bombastic nature of Donald Trump, the I am always going to be in your face and never give up that that I, I mean, it's incredible. He I mean, he's a populist, even though he's not a populist. He, he was successful in grabbing the populist mantle that the Republican Party clearly had. And you saw signs of in the Tea Party moving in. He grabbed it, got it, owns it. And people it resonates. It really does. And, you know, we can you can go to as many rallies as you want. And I'll tell you this, I, I watched a couple rallies, not the news clips, the rallies, and you watch them. And, and you look, believe how many people show up for these things. And it's mesmerizing. There it's is, unbelievable. There's some mesmerizing things about it. And it's scary in, 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 a, in a few ways, but he is an effective, effective communicator. And that's, I think, very important. And people, you know, Obama was a very effective communicator. Donald Trump's a very effective, he knows how to speak to folks and they, they get it and they like it and they listen to it and he boils it down. You know, the nicknames, the chants, right or wrong, it still works. And I think, you know, he's made it simplistic for folks. And that's why, look, at the end of the day, I was starting to talk to people like if, if Tom Cotton or, um, Nikki Haley were the candidate this year using the same talking points. You know, do they win overwhelmingly? I'm, I'm not sure that some of the voters who would go out for Trump go out for Trump. In 2018, the Democrats rolled in the, in the congressionals. I think that's now because the Trump voter didn't come out. The Republican voter came out, but the Trump voter stayed home. They came out yesterday. And that's, I think, very telling. And why are we not capturing them? Why is the data not capturing them? Why are the polls? Why are the prognosticators? Why are people not? Why has the political mindset not adjusted to this reality? I think, I think they're capturing some of it. And I think, I think people lie in polls. I think people like that, but that much. I mean, let's keep it. Let's keep in mind, right? You're Michigan, talking, what? You're Florida, talking, Florida. You're okay, talking Florida. To people, you're talking to four hundred people, five hundred people. Craig. You know. Okay, well, well, let's. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll drill down very specifically for uh, for an operation that we know well. Mike Bloomberg, one hundred million dollars. Yeah. I don't know whether he actually spent it all, but one hundred million dollars committed to Florida to making Florida go for Joe Biden. Okay. Yeah. Presumably the most sophisticated data operation, Hawkfish, his whole thing, they were going to get it right. And they yep. were going to, okay. They couldn't, they, they couldn't get over, they couldn't get over the South Florida vote. That's, that's the whole thing. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, they overperformed in Broward. I mean, they overperformed in Duval. I mean, they, they did great in the counties that they, they got, I mean, Hillary Clinton got third one. It wasn't that close though. In the end. She won by, well, well, opinion? we don't know. Yeah, we don't we, know. We, we, no, we do know. Actually, they count early. I mean, Florida's done. Florida's in. But you know what? They won Jacksonville. They they won certain areas they never won before. They un, again, the Trump voter is different than the GOP voter. Right. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you would have, I would have thought that 
the Bloomberg operation has the sophistication and the money and the data sets to identify that. And, you know, but Michael, the question becomes, what you're saying is there's such a black box. You just, you can't. Well, it's another thing. It's a question of this. If this were a regular year, no pandemic where people are actually touching and pulling people out to vote and all that stuff, you know, the days of door to door, you know, where I'm communicating and, 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 you know, with the days of COVID, and now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing all this great digital ads and all that. And people turn that shit up. I mean, excuse me, people turn that stuff off, right? right? And people start ignoring it. You know, I turn off Facebook after a while because it's all the ads. Look, there's only so much data you can do. It's whether or not how you would touch that voter. And touching the voter via the computer is very different than actually touching them in person, shaking their hand, handing them something and saying, I've got you. Okay, so... I want to get to New York for a second. Also, sure. was, that was also supposed to be a huge night for the Democrats. They were going to bury the Republicans forever in a supermajority in the state Senate. I had a giddy Democratic uh, consultant tell me yesterday the Republicans were going down to 16 seats in the state Senate. Uh, and wow. you know, it was an absolutely brutal night and the whole thing. And now it looks that the, the potential for Republicans to have 26, 27, maybe even 28 seats, uh, depending on how things shake out. What are they, what uh, are they at now? What are they at now? They at 23, 23. 23. So you're so, saying, you're saying but, between a plus three to a plus five. I think that's, I think that's, uh, well, well, yeah. well, but either way, what happened didn't happen. And I think it's all because of this cash bail. A lot of it. Yes. Trump. Yes. Turnout. But the issue, the gift the gift that the suburban, your former colleagues, the suburban Long Island Six and their compatriots in Hudson Valley ended bail and let criminals out two hours after they committed crimes to go ahead. And that's the narrative. Commit crimes again three hours later. What, what, I mean, I, to me. I disagree, I disagree with you. And it's, I'm glad thanks. we're having time. So well, I'm glad we disagree because it's no fun otherwise. It's no I know. Fun. So I, I, I will, I will. I will disagree that I don't see, I think you're overly optimistic on three to five. I think that right now, three, I think plus three for you is- No, no, I don't want to get to the numbers. I want to get to the issues. I don't think- The reason why I I say it's not cash bail is because upstate Rochester and and the Buffalo area are going to be Democratic. So, yeah, but that's a Democrat. That's a heavily Democratic district, the Buffalo area, and Rochester. And Rochester is 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 less than a thousand votes. Okay, they're both okay, right? But the absentees, Michael, are going to be overwhelmingly Democratic. Anyway, so but here's the thing: I'm not sure it's cash bail issue. I think what the issue is that the police unions and their families. We t- you know, people always talked about a blue wave and there was a blue wave. It just happened to be a police blue wave and not a democratic blue wave. It's a yet. back the blue wave. And I think what happened was it's, it's not about bail. It's about 50A in the disciplinary area. You know, look, the police, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, you know, the men and women who protect us, recognize that there are issues that, you know, whether it's bail or not, you know, that's one issue, but it's when they, you know, it's like the question came down to, and I think where they got really angry is when they changed the 50A law. That's what I saw in, you know, the legislature is the real activity. It was like trying to work on the issue of 50A. That is where I think the police unions drew their line and said, 
you need, that's because you're not backing the blue. Whether that's right or wrong, that's, that's how they frame it. And I think they did so successfully. And I think that because, and that's because if you look, there are members of the state assembly who are in tough races, who did not support 50A, who got the backing of the police unions. You know, Judy Griffin in Rockville Center, for example. Right now, she's down 500 votes. In all likelihood with the absentee, she'll, she'll win. She did not support the 50A. The police unions backed her. I think if they had gone against her, I think she'd be in a very different position today as she, you know, than she was. So I but think- there is a tendency to overreach, I think, to the left on the part, just like sometimes there's a tendency to overreach to the right. Both parties seem to do it. It just seems that there is no space left for the moderate suburban last night legislator last night and we've got one minute i tweeted this i felt like it was hot tub time machine i was back in 2010 and i was looking i was going to call brian foley and i was gonna call daryl albertine and i was gonna call bill stakowski but what happened i think you know you know it's very telling look the absentees there's a lot of paper it's going to be very hard. There's no doubt about it on, on both sides. So I think we'll, and we should come back together in a week when they start counting them and we can start talking about what it looks like. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to have some moderates replaced by other moderates from the upstate. And it's going to be incumbent upon the conference to work together to find a solution. Because, you know, again, if I'm Rob Ort, I'm pretty happy with my night. And yeah. I'm thinking, look, let's see what happens in 22. And so it's going to take some work, and but I'm pretty confident. Look, I serve with a lot of these folks. I'm pretty confident. That's right. Turn it around. Okay, Demo. Craig Johnson, former Mike. state former state senator from Long Island and a political strategist at Long Point Advisors. Thanks for joining us here on Spin Class, unpacking the general election of 2020 as we try and put that to bed even before it's over. So, Craig, we'll have to pick this up at a later time. And Looking thanks everybody for. For joining us here on Spin Class. Stay tuned for Joe of the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.